0: I'm Mike Gorman and you're listening to the Celtics Pod Podcast for Celtics Vlog. Here's your host,
1: Adam Taylor. What's going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Celtics Pod. I'm your boy Adam Taylor. Excuse the hair, it's all wild. I've been wearing a hat all day. The trim soon come. But do you know what else soon come? Celtics winning a championship I don't know maybe that's a little bit too far but that's how I feel right now I'm joined by the freeman man weave me my boy Mr. Will Weir my homie Mr. Greg Manakis from we're doing a crossover podcast so Will and Greg both co-host this show with me but they also co they also have their own podcast called Dream with Envy and whenever there's a an early matinee game, and the Celtics win. We like to do these crossover shows. So Will likes to do something called the morning box score for your listening pleasure. If you're watching live, then it's the afternoon slash evening box score. Either way, the Celtics win. We're happy. we Will, take it away, my brother.
0: Well, let's do it. First of all, love being with y'all here on the three-man We Before I get into this morning box score, just real quick, scale of 1 to 10, I don't think any of us have actually had a drop of alcohol today, but scale of 1 to 10, how inebriated are we all
1: just off of that game alone? I'm giving myself about 8.5. The dopamine is running high, the adrenaline's running high. I'm going at an 8.7, 8.8.
2: Yeah, I I feel like I'm like three glasses of whiskey deep.
1: <laughs> all right. So we're all on the same page here. Let's get into it. Let's
0: kick it off. For those of you just tuned in that aren't aware of the morning box score, this is the way that Greg and I take a little bit of a throwback to how we used to break down games when we used to get together, just as little kids go ahead, open up the Boston Globe, take a look at the box score, eat our frosted flakes, and take a look at the stats, break them down, refresh them for you. Let's do it real quick here off the top. As a guy, Adam Taylor said, big big monumental win for the boston celtics tonight or this afternoon 126 to 120 over the brooklyn nets let's take a look at the brooklyn Nets stats real quick here of course battle of the superstars kevin durant versus jason tatum kevin durant 37 points eight assists six rebounds nine attempts from the line four of nine from three point range kyrie irving our old friend kyrie irving of course he was out there today eight of 18 for him he had 19 points to go with six assists Bruce Brown, who I thought had a nice game, Boston boy, shout out to Bruce Brown, Boston boy in the building today, 16 points for him, six rebounds, and five assists, but you know what, that's the Nets, we don't care, they lost, we're about the winners on this show, we're (laughs) gonna talk about the Boston Celtics, because that's what we do, and there's no other place to start, there's one man that locked it down today, with a superstar performance, going head-to-head against Kevin Durant, and that's Jason Tatum. 16 to 30, 8 to 15 from three point range, 14 to 17 from the line, five rebounds, three assists, 54 points. Get out the burgers. It's a big 50 point burger for Jason Tatum. Uh, his sidekick, Jalen Brown, here 21 points, five assists, four rebounds. He was three of six, including the dagger three at the end of the game there. Uh, Marcus Smart here, 4-10 from the field. He had 14 points to go along with 9 assists. Rob Williams, somehow he's the fourth guy I'm getting to on this. He had 10 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and 5 blocks. If you're playing fantasy basketball, I'm sure you're really going to enjoy having Rob Williams on your team with a stat line like that. Something real quick just want to note here. Celtics got to the line 38 times tonight. I don't know if that's a season high, but that feels like it has to be in contention. Big, big win. Greg, kick it around here, man. I feel like, like I said, Rob Williams is the fourth guy I got to on this box score. And I feel like that's, that almost feels like malpractice when a guy has five blocks and he's the fourth one you get to, but that's how packed this is. Take it away.
2: Well, I was, I was watching some people, you know, as I'm watching the game, but also watching Twitter throughout the game and people were kind of, On JB early in the game, right, saying like, "Oh, he doesn't look right. He's not like we need more from JB. If like it's gonna be all Tatum, then like there's no way we're gonna be able to contend." And all this, you know, just like typical negative stuff that we see on Twitter. Even though the Celtics are playing one of their best games, most exciting games of the year, and um, I was just so excited to see him have his moment there at the end of the game, uh, where he hit. I think he had two threes in the fourth quarter, and he just made good decisions throughout the game. As you can see, he only had one turnover to five assists, and those those five assist games or like multiple assist games are really starting to um, really starting to, to pile up there for, for JB. And then when you talk about lob, this is what I've been saying all year, bro. Like Robert Williams is, that's why I call him Bobby Bitcoin, right? He, he raises the Celtic ceiling to a whole nother level, just with his ability to affect the game on the defensive end. Um, and then, you know, I, I can let Adam go off on, on Jason Tatum. Cause I know that he's, he's ready to talk about Tatum cause Tatum was a megastar.
1: So before I jump into Tatum, because, you know, I need to, we've had a few comments. I just want to hit everybody that's took the time to comment to us. So our boy Cody, just an absolutely fantastic game from both sides. Tatum, Durant, Irvin and Brown going toe to toe was incredible. I agree. I think that this was one of those games where you really had that barometer, right? You could measure how much growth Tatum and Brown have had throughout the season. Compared to, you know, I know Durant wasn't 100%. He's only been back. He played the last game before this one. If that wasn't
0: 100%, that's scary to think about what his 100% was. I mean, he was really good in the game today.
1: I mean, maybe 100% is not the right word, but he definitely wasn't in full rhythm, right? Like, if you look at it like that. And then Irving is in and out of games, you know. And then, obviously, like I was thinking about this earlier, Post Malone should uh, release, used to be friends now with Frenemies for Corey, Irving, and Boston. We should play that every time Irving plays in the TD Garden. So, I thought that was a great game. Great comment from Cody, our boy. And I I completely agree. How do you guys feel?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm right there. I mean, I, I even tweeted at one point, like, I'm just so... This game is making me so excited. And I think, Adam, you tweeted it as well, too. Like, this is when the game was still in the balance. Like, win or lose, to your point of this being a barometer game... Like, this is this is us going toe-to-toe with with basically the Nets at full strength. I mean, I know we'll get into the Ben Simmons piece at one point, but Ben Simmons hasn't played for any NBA team this entire season. So, until that happens, he's kind of an afterthought, and I don't really want to hear too much about it. We can certainly speculate on it, but this is going toe-to-toe with, like, some of the behemoths in the league, and Kevin Durant showed up. Like, Kevin Durant was out there like, you know, listen, t- he's, he's complimented Tatum in the past, and so watching those guys go back and forth, and I really like what um, – the ESPN ABC crew did at one point when it was really turning into kind of Jason Tatum versus first Kevin Durant. They just left the star comparison down the bottom right just for the remainder of the game and then kept updating it. I thought that was a really cool little thing that they did rather than just flash it every now and they're like, nope, this is this is basically the subplot of this game is Tatum versus KD. And I thought that was really cool they left it up. So I agree with everything Cody said out there. That was an unbelievable game and I'm I'm still living off the high from it.
1: Yeah, that, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry.
2: Sorry Greg, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, Tatum, he plays up to competition. You know, there there are a couple times where you can see throughout the season, he plays down to the competition, but anytime the lights are on, we know as Celtics fans that we can count on Jason Tatum to be one of the best players on the court. And I had actually texted Will during the game and I was like, Tatum is by far the second best player on the court. Like the third best player is not even close. And then by the end of the game, I was like, Oh, Tatum. Tatum's the best player on the court tonight. Like, without a question, he ended up just taking the game from Durant. Durant, you know, he can do this in his sleep. And I think that's the difference between you're asking, like, what's the difference between Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum? Kevin, Kevin Durant can do this whenever he wants. Um, and pretty much like his his par is what he did tonight. He can just go off and like nobody can stop him. Tatum has to like kind of play up to this level. Um, but as, as we saw, 54 points and like he ties Larry Bird for most 50 point games in Celtics history already at age 24. It's just insane. Um, but yeah, Adam, what are you going to say?
1: I was gonna say check out the commitment from our boy Dana over on Facebook. Fantastic game tonight. Got Shout up at Dana. 5 a.m. In, in Australia to watch the game. Have bled green, will die green since 1963, seen all the ups and downs of the Celtics over those years and will be a fan until I die. Born in Boston, now in Oz. Great game by JT and the C's. What a birthday present for Marcus. Yeah, you know, as a fellow non-American that has to deal and like you are an American, but you're not there, so you know, non-American right now. Living in non-local yeah no no one really understands the difficulties in watching the game after it like live and when you know especially like a matinee game's different right i mean in australia it's still an early start for you guys but it's tough man so like i i I give props to anybody that follows the team on a game-to-game basis thank you for leaving the comment as well really appreciate it glad you enjoyed the day our guy so, the next thing I wanted to do is go back to talking about Jason Tatum for a moment. We'll get back to the comments shortly. There's a few more rolling in. But, uh, yeah, so for Tatum, for me, one of the first things is, as you say, he has to play up to that level at the moment. And that's completely, that's a completely fair thing to say. Like, he, he, it's not like we're seeing Tatum simmer away on a call cool for night. Do you know what I mean? That's when he has a really good game. But what I would say is that, He's still only 24. And when you when you show the ability to play up to that level, sometimes when you continually overachieve, that overachievement becomes your new baseline. And you have to keep pushing those boundaries and redefining what your flaw is that you have to kind of go through day by day, week by week. And you know what it's like. Like Durant never started simmer like when he was 24. He probably wasn't simmering away at 35, 40 points a night. He had to keep overachieving until that became his baseline. Yeah, he was, but he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> on, you know what I mean? And it's, it's a bit different when you're Durant's size and his unique yeah. skill set. But in terms of Tatum, I mean, man, the control of this game that he had, the way he, he pulled the strings as a playmaker, he, he defended really well. He controlled the glass. He looked money no matter where he was shooting from. That, that, back, that step back from deep is just cash every time. Uh, he had that one play towards the end where everybody was like, how the hell did he finish that? Kind of split the yeah. defense, lost control of the ball, managed to pull it back, took a pass to another defender and then finished with the, with, the, with the layoff. And I'm just like, dude, that's some next level. Like He was doing, he was Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving-ing, Kyrie yeah. Irving. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he was Uncle drew in Kyrie at certain points. Like when Tatum's playing like that, does the, the, the limit? There is no limit on how far this Celtics team can go. Of for course, sure. you, you need secondary scorers. Uh, I think Jalen Brown played excellently in that secondary role tonight. Horford was fantastic as kind of like clean cleanup crew. Rob Williams is Rob Williams. You know he's going to give you whatever. But no, Tatum for me tonight was uh, on a on the floor on a floor with KD Kyrie Jalen Brown Jason Tatum. And I think. He was cl- the clear-cut best player. It wasn't marginal, it was clear-cut, and that's a huge compliment to him considering the talent that was on, that was competing last, uh, today.
0: And I think that's a huge point, Adam, because I think when you look at this Eastern Conference, a lot of this comes down to when you get to these you know, whatever the playoff matchups are going to be, because it's so tight. You can't really predict what the matchups are going to be. And so when you get down to some of these games, it's going to be who's the best player in this series. And I don't think you can, it's, there's so many good players that like, typically you're going to lean towards Giannis or KD, but nights like this show that Jason Tatum, you know, he can be it for a game. Now it's going to be, can you be it for a series when you get to this? Cause if he can be that best player in a series, then you start talking about that ceiling. It's, it's kind of unlimited. And that's what unlocks like, you know, the quote unquote championship potential of the Celtics team is can Jason Tatum be that best player in the series against, you know, some of these other guys like he was tonight in this game against, against Kevin Durant?
2: Yeah. And to that last comment that was just up there about Tatum's defense, this is something that we I think, Adam, you and I were talking about this right around the time we traded Josh Richardson is we were just wondering who the best wing defender on the Celtics is like, is it Marcus Smart? Is it Jalen Brown? Is it Jason Tatum? And Tatum, when he's locked in on defense, man, you could tell tonight. Like he studied the PJ Tucker tape on how to on a, how to co- uh, cover Kevin Durant and just make things a little bit difficult for him specifically, right? KD and I'm, I'm, for all of you that are watching live, you can kind of like see me pantomiming this right now. But KD, one of his favorite moves that we all know, right, is he'll go that lefty hang dribble and then he'll pull up into the three point shot. He he tweeted about it famously a few years back, calling it the Hezzy Jimbo, right? So he he has that Hezi Jimbo from from three point range, and when you when a guy goes into that big hang with that left hand. What you saw Tatum do is he attacked that dribble, so he didn't allow that rhythm step with his left foot and do a one-two pull-up. Right, he did that in the first half, and I think he made KD like air ball three or miss a three badly. KD, he he tried it again in the second half, and KD had a good counter for it. But like Tatum does the film work, man, he he understands what guys like to do and what their tendencies are, and then when you combine that with the fact that he's six eight with like a seven foot wingspan. I mean, he he has the measurables, he has the instincts, and he has the work ethic to make himself one of the best wing defenders in the league. And we've seen this against the best competition. We've seen it against Kevin Durant. We've seen it against Kawhi Leonard. I, I, y'all remember that time he locked up Kawhi for a game? I think that uh, Jason Tatum is he the best player? You know, is he a top five player in the league? Well, when you factor in his two way potential, man, like when he plays like that, there's not many guys better than him.
1: So here's the question, right? Not is he top five, but how far away is he from being a a legitimate, uncontested top 10 guy? Because at at this point, it can't be far away, right? He's knocking on that door right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's close. been close, you know, for, you know, I think coming into the season, if you looked at it in my own evaluation was the same where he's somewhere in that probably 12 to 15 range. And you could argue over semantics of, of certain guys. So he was on the the precipice of getting into that top 10. I think for me, like the majority of guys I have in the top 10 are probably going to be guys that have proven their, you know, let's call it their superstar card through either through consistency or being able to do it on the big stage and ideally a combination of the both. And I think that's kind of, you know, for Jason Tatum, where we're at is I know on like an individual game basis, he can be the best player against anybody out there. He can go have these type of nights, but it's going to be can you be consistent enough? Because like when Greg was talking about Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum and what still separates them is tonight. Like, you know, KD didn't really ramp up for tonight. KD was was just doing his thing. Like it was very, it was, it was almost a like casual, you know, what he finished with 37 points or, or whatever it was. Like it was, it was like a ninja, like assassin that he had at certain points in the game where it was like, how did, he, how is he casually going about doing this where it's this big ramp up for Tatum? So I think that's where you find a little bit of a difference. And then it's going to be, do you have that, you know, playoff moment? And here's the thing. Like I know Jason Tatum has had those certain playoff moments, like Duncan on LeBron is a big, big moment. But just like we've talked about, you know, last year and certainly a lot this year. It's different when you're the guy and everything is focused on you. He was a rookie at that point, still catching people by surprise a little bit. Like, that ain't happening anymore. Now it's going to be, can you be that guy in the second round, game five, this is a 2-2 series, and you have a game like tonight, Go ahead and stamp that card. This is game seven in the second round or, you know, a big spot against Giannis or whatever it might be. Go ahead and stamp that top 10 superstar card. That's when it will become official. So I don't think he's far away from that. I just think it's, you know, a little bit of those two will will come together. And then it's it's undeniable. But he has top 10 talent. That's already undeniable.
1: Yeah, for me, it's just like you can't be far away at this point, right? Look. If you if you were to run through the top 10, and this is fluid as well, like it's really hard to define who the top 10 guys are based on how good their rhythm is, how good their season's going. You know, it's different. It's one thing to talk about talent. It's other thing to talk about impact. And impact is all based on rhythm and like form and whatnot. But moving on from just JT, I mean, JT deserves all the praise and all the props, but I feel like if we spoke about him for an hour, everybody would be like, you've kind of glossed over all the other cool stuff that went down. So we do need to speak about it. In terms of offense, I think the Celtics done uh, a bunch. I know that Tatum kind of, once Tatum got going, they were feeding the hot hand, which is what you're supposed to do. You can't, no knocks there. Like, but they were doing a lot of good stuff as well. They started off the game running a bunch of wedge screens to get Al Horford down onto the post. And then they were trying to run, well, from the elbow, like mid post area, trying to run a lot of sets through there the way Udoka seems to like them set up. I thought Rob Williams' passing as well was fantastic. There was a few touch passes he had where he was just offering secondary creation around that low block. The, uh, I think Tatum was the beneficiary of most of them, but I think Smart had one too. But just the initial setup of, you're going against a team that in Brooklyn that doesn't look the most confident protecting the room. I know they've got Drummond. I know they've got Claxton, KD's long. But it felt like they were overreacting on every drive. It felt like they were collapsing onto the ball handler. They were losing their man. Uh, The ball Celtics seem to find open guys consistently. And I think that was a good plan. As you said, Tatum does the film work, but Udoka definitely had this scheme ready, knowing that they were going to try and take away the drive early. And that was going to leave guys open. Is there anyone that stood out to you besides Tatum and not name Jalen Brown, because Brown had a a slow start, but then really kind of grew into that game. But is there anyone else that stood out to you that was just on offense, that was absolutely solid in their role? Um, I mean the the
2: one guy that I, I was wanted to bring up just like as a question mark in this game was our new acquisition Derek White Um, how did y'all feel about how he played? I felt like he he had a very understated game You know, I think he was at 20 minutes Um, if i'm looking at the box score right now He had twenty twenty 20 minutes. He only took three shots. He was four for four from the line uh, no assists no steals no blocks so like I, I didn't really notice him on the court but i felt like he also wasn't a negative when he was out there um i would like to see a little bit more from him but it's kind of tough to judge everybody on, on a game when jt is just going crazy like this you know what i mean but looking at the box score outside of outside of what i thought horford continued his strong play man like the fact that he's been around 40 percent for the last like 15 games or whatever it's been, he He looks great on offense um four for seven from the field, three for six from three, two for two from the line, and he had four assists you know uh twenty five assists for the team on how many baskets did we make on forty baskets right twenty five assists on forty baskets that's a pretty good ratio right there but i I just want to kick it around the horn to you guys, just like Derek White first, and then what were your thoughts on horford
0: yeah i mean i'll I'll start with with the with Derek White, you're right. His game was definitely understated today. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Like, like you're right. I, I, I kind of had a similar thought because, you know, we have the same brain. We've been friends for 30 years. And so I kind of had the same thought at one point. I was like, man, I feel like I really haven't noticed Derek White too much. There was a handful of times where, you know, he pushed the ball in transition, got himself to the free throw line. He shot four free throws. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where, in a way, I'm kind of okay with it. Because I'd rather him do this than force himself into a game where, you know, his contribution isn't needed to be more than what it is because JT's cooking so much. But we've already seen games like, you know, think of the Atlanta game when JB goes down. Who was one of the first guys to step up? It was Derek White. You know, so I think having that guy in reserve where he can be, you know, still do some things, you know, on the, you know, on the low and and not be a negative. I mean, he still had a a plus three for the game in his 20 minutes. Like, I think that is kind of valuable knowing when to pick your spots. So I I don't think too much of it. I mean, I think if we went through like a seven game series, and this is what we got every game, that would start to be concerning. But Mm -hmm. I think when you're having, you know, J, you know, having Tatum go off like he did, JB play the way he did, Horford's dominating, you know, down low with five blocks, Horford's doing, doing his thing. Like I'm not, I'm not really too worried about it. And I actually think it could be somewhat of a positive. Uh, and then Al just, dude, Al's on a roll, man. I, I don't, I think, I think he, you know, he's he's 35, but he's looking like he's 32 again or 31 or whatever age he was last time he was here. You know, I, I can't speak to it enough. He's, you know, I think I'm trying to remember the line Keith Smith had in his most recent article that I know we all complimented a ton, but it was saying, you know, this is the Jays team. Marcus Smart is the heart, and Al, and now Al Horford's the conscience of this team. I absolutely love that. Just an absolute bar right there. And, yeah, I, I mean, Al is just super steady. And If he's going to hit three of six like we talked about in that Grizzlies game where he's knocking down threes, if his outside shot starts to come back, that's a whole new weapon that this team has been missing, and it makes especially that starting five group, which has an amazing net rating, it will it will increase their availability,
1: which is why you saw them close with them down the stretch. I mean, for me, like just mentioning Horford at the moment as a 34 year old guy, seeing LeBron drop 56, and then seeing Horford's last few games, I'm like, yeah, I'm not old at all, man. I'm all right. Like, I, you know, I've got plenty of time left to to do some cool stuff. So uh, I- I'm loving this resurgence. This old man's league right now is uh, definitely making me feel good about myself, even if they are in far better shape than me. But hey, um, in terms of, <laughs> I was about to say Derrick Rose. In terms of Derrick White. I think Brad Stevens hit the nail on the head when they first got him, right? He's an accentuator. He's a guy that you're going to plug in and he's going to give you exactly what you need. If you need him to be an additional scorer, then that's what he's going to be. If you need him to be an additional ball handler, then he can do that too. On a game like this, where you've got your guys that are already going off, they're scoring, your offense is humming along. He came in, gave you a solid defensive presence at guard, like a point of attack guy. He was comfortable as as a help defender as well. And then on offense... He just did what was necessary, whether that was being the screener, whether that was just being somebody that could offer the extra pass, space the floor. Derek White accentuated everything that was going on. So Brad Stevens really kind of hammered that word home a few times when discussing White. And I think this game is the perfect example of why that's the case because he's sliding with exactly what Boston needed when they needed it. And he kind of, as the flow of the game changed, his impact on the game changed. So he did go from being a defender into being more of a ball handler into being more of a screener and then revert back. And he was just plugging holes wherever they were kind of turning up. And for me, like that's a super valuable player. Somebody that can doesn't care about getting their numbers. And we spoke about this before the season started, right? Like selfless basketball isn't just making a pass. It's doing the stuff that doesn't show up. It's doing the stuff that gets your teammates extra shots, gets your teammates extra Opportunities to drive or dribble or whatever it may be. And I think um, Derek White was the perfect example of that in this game. It wasn't his best game, I think, but sometimes, you know, when you can be impactful without showing up or catching the eye, then that's fine. If you're catching the eye and you're not really helping, then it's for bad reasons. And then we're going to have to, you know, speak on that because that's what we do. But I think uh, Derek White doesn't deserve any flowers yet today, but he definitely deserves a little bit of praise for just being that
0: yeah he, he can celebrate with the group
1: yeah it was a team win and he played a very team centric team yeah team centric yeah it's the group
0: project where he hides out in the back but he still gets an a he's still a part of the group you know well, he's the dude that does the work but then
1: everybody else takes the credit yeah yeah, yeah, yeah there you go there you go
0: that's better <laughs> Uh
2: um, yeah. I, I was wondering also what you guys thought about white, like not really being in the crunch time uh, five of late. It seems like, I don't know if it's because Al's been so money from, from downtown or if like we want Pritchard on the court just because he, he he's played better and he's able to stretch the floor, but white hasn't played quite as many crunch time minutes as I kind of thought he would when we first got him, especially that first game when he was on the court, I was like, there's no way he is ever going to be able to take him off the court. And he, you know, when he maxed out tonight at 20 minutes, I don't know if it was just a matchup thing or if this is something that Ime is now kind of moving away from. It's like, you know what? Derek White is the most important guy on the team in like right off the bench in between quarters, but not necessarily at the end of the fourth quarter. Um, so I was just wondering what, Adams first with you, what were your thoughts on him like just not being in crunch time five?
1: Yeah, I think like when Pritchard's getting those minutes, I think it's very much you need the additional shooting right Pritchard at the moment since uh I think it's like he's at around about 40 percent from deep since the beginning of February or since the trade deadline sorry so since the trade deadline he's shooting around about 40 percent on free we've seen that he's uh, that Pritchard his defense has been above expected level because he's super active he's running he's rotating over to everybody getting in those passing lanes i mean the amount of offensive rebounds Pritchard gets just by kind of ghosting in between the tall trees and then hopping up and grabbing he's been super valuable and he gives you a different type of um like a different energy because of the way he has to play to to compete, that makes everybody else raise their bar of energy as well because they see this dude just really giving it 120%, plus the floor spacing. And I also think Pritchard's a better ball handler than what Derek White is. Um, I think that if you pressure Pritchard, he's got more chance of keeping control of the ball, staying composed, coming over a screen and finding the open guy. Whereas I think Derek White is far more of a, catch the ball on the move and then redirect it to the right place. And what down in the crunch time when teams are really trying to slow down your offense and bug you down into a half court set, you would much rather have Pritchard as a secondary ball handler than what you would Derek White because you need Derek White on the move for him to be a viable playmaker. So I think that's some of the reasoning behind it. I also just think a lot of it's going to be matchup dependent. Maybe they maybe Udoka's not confident that Derek White knows it knows the closing sets. You know, they're going to have their Their patterns that they like to run during the final few minutes of a game. And Derek White came in knowing the system overall, like the idea and the the notion of what Udoka's trying to do. But if he doesn't have those patterns down pat, then that could be what cut the difference between winning and losing a game. So maybe he's bringing him along slowly. But at the moment, I think Pritchard offers quite a lot.
0: Yeah, I think it's mostly just gonna be matchup dependent. You know, I feel one of the things that we had talked about with Ime to give him some of his flowers, you know, early in the season was that his, you know, substitution patterns felt very 2K-ish, robotic. Like you just you just gave him a script and that was what it's gonna be. And I feel like as this turnaround has happened he's started to get a better feel for the team and for the games as he's coaching like in the game decisions. And so I I think, obviously I think if we're healthy, you're going to see Marcus Jalen, Jason majority of the time, Rob, unless it's like just a really bad matchup for whatever reason, you're going to see those four out there. And then I think you'll kind of see some floating between whether it's, it's Al or it's Grant, or or Derek White, or Peyton Pritchard. Like, I think you're going to see that that position or that, that last spot float a little bit, just depending on what you needed. And I think, to Adam's point, a lot of it to me does scream that shooting. And I was really mad at myself tonight at one point because Peyton Pritchard hadn't hit a shot all game. And I was about to tweet, Peyton Pritchard will hit a big three in the fourth quarter. And then he hit one like <laughs> two minutes later with like seven minutes left. One of those times you're just kicking yourself. Like, I knew it, and I should have trusted my gut, and I didn't. Uh, but I, it's really crazy to me thinking of where we're at with Peyton Pritchard getting these minutes in the fourth quarter, sometimes closing games and where we started the season where it was like, why does Eme hate Peyton Pritchard? Why can't yeah. he get out there? You know, and, and there's a lot of things that we were talking about where I get like the Nets did go try and target him a bunch today, but Peyton Pritchard fights his butt off. Like, that dude is so scrappy. I love the grit. To your point, Adam, that's one of my favorite sequences of this game, even though it led to zero points, was the two offensive rebounds that he got <laughs> underneath. And I like the second one where he was like, all right, I kicked out the first one. I'm going to try and get a bucket this he's time. I think it was, yeah, I think it was like claxed. It was like, <laughs> this is the easiest block I've had in my life. But, you know, like, it, it's things like that that will allow you to play Peyton Pritchard. And I think he's, he's been deserving of that. So... You know roundabout way of getting back to your question here greg i think that last spot will be kind of floating but i think that's a big kudos to emay that i think he's comfortable with that and that this like he he feels comfortable knowing which person
1: is going to be the right player for that moment so i've got one for you two guys uh early in the game and then throughout the game we saw grant williams getting switched onto the perimeter a bunch i think grant was excellent as a help defender as well it felt like sometimes guys were driving saw grant rotate over and thought i don't want to run into that that's going to hurt but I did, I did tweet out saying Grant, last year if you saw Grant Williams get switched on to Kyrie Irving, you're like that's it, that's straight money. Kyrie, like Kyrie's gonna put him in a blender. It's gonna be easy. We might see some amazing stuff. This year I'm like, Yo, Grant can do this, you know. And my 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 thought process behind this is, even if slash when someone like Kyrie does beat Grant after dribble, you've got your help defense rotating over to take away the driving lane, but more importantly grant's movement now his footwork and um, his improved speed really helps him stay connected to guard so you can't brush off him and every bump that you take off him every time you bump into him to try and create that driving that extra bit of space or that separation you're gonna feel that because bumping into grant williams is like bumping into a wall you, you're gonna get sore after a while so i think judicially switching Grant onto ball-handling guards that rely on speed and letting him wear them down a little bit with some physicality with the threat of getting blocked and with Grant's high basketball IQ where he's going to play you with angles rather than try and beat you with athleticism, mini Hawthorne-type guy. I feel really comfortable about doing that, especially on these these guys that rely more on speed and skill than just straight-up athleticism, right? So how do you guys feel about what we saw from Grant tonight, especially guarding the perimeter?
2: For sure. So we did a pregame spaces. Shout out to everyone that came into the pregame spaces. And I kind of made the comp um, that, you know, it's kind of an easy comp to make. And I don't I'm not trying to be like original by saying it. But Grant reminds me a lot of what P.J. Tucker is able to do Um, his his stoutness on the defensive end. The fact that he's a little bit undersized, um, kind of like a modern day, like Chuck Hayes, like what Chuck Hayes was able to do way back in the day for the Rockets. Uh, I think that Grant and I kind of noticed this in the first Suns game where we beat them, uh, where we were doing all that, like um, you know, kind of like that flex offense we were running, getting Grant in the post. He guarded Devin Booker really well in that game, and he—he it wasn't his primary assignment to guard Booker, but anytime Booker, you know, got him in a switch, Grant just used his size, and I think that if Grant is able to. I don't know if it's ever going to be a primary assignment, but if Grant is able to hold his own, as you were saying, Adam, against these guys that are known to just like kind of bully people, um, like the, the guy that just came to mind was Chris Middleton. Like Chris Middleton's kind of a tough matchup for the Celtics. If we decided to put Grant on Chris Middleton, what would that look like? Because I think Grant has the He has the defensive IQ. Middleton's not the quickest guy in the world, but he does have a really good first step, especially off of a shot fake. And I'm wondering, like, when will Ime trust Grant with, like, a primary assignment to shut down someone when he comes off the bench? Um, so that's kind of like the next step in what I think Grant Williams can be as a defender is like, when will he may start trusting him a little bit more just to go out and guard someone and shut someone down? I don't know that he's ever really going to get there. But I think that the strides that he's making when you see him getting switched onto guys like Kyrie, who are impossible to guard, um, thinking back to the bubble when he blocked Fred Van Vliet, like he's shown these different moments in which he can be a really, really effective perimeter defender. So that's kind of the next step that I see for Grant and the evolution of him as a defender.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, I just think regardless if we're talking Grant Williams or, you know, we talked about Peyton Pritchard a minute ago, like the connectivity of this defense and basically everyone that you're going to put out there in the way that they kind of cover and support for each other. Like there's not many times where I feel like, oh, man, this guy's on an island and he's getting cooked. And if they do feel that you saw that a couple of times where they'll find the guy that they can leave and they'll you know they'll scram behind to go ahead and cover up what they need to and then go run and get that double team and get the ball moving so you know it's it's more of a team thing for me and of course Grant you know has has made tremendous strides just as an individual player all around i mean i think for me there's nobody that I had lesser expectations of that has gone and just completely obliterated my expectations from the start of the season till now than Grant Williams so of course he deserves his own credit but I think it's it's really the team defense that I just have full confidence in at this point that no matter the situation no matter the type of game that defense in the in the clutch moments is going to be there and that there's not going to be someone that you can go ahead and just say I'm going to go pick on that and I think if you can do that with like Peyton Pritchard today where you know they felt confident enough to leave him out and i don't think it really hurt them too many times because of that you know overall team defense you can be assured of anyone on this team being able to come in and and you know and feel
1: secure that they're not going to be stranded on an island and i think that's the most important part right when you're trying to run this type of defense is you need Little, little, little spam in the, in the comments little section. spam let them do what they're doing uh no for me yeah i think that you definitely need that type of um toughness in terms of how deep your defense is how many guys can you really rely on that are going to give you high productivity on defense high communication high rotation like switchability and i think that's why we've seen udoka kind of stick to the eight nine man rotation because he trusts these guys as defensive pieces first offense will figure itself out because your defense that like when you go defense to offense maybe that's getting a stop maybe that's forcing a turnover maybe it's getting a run out or maybe it's just forcing teams to miss more than they score but you're when you've got those defensive pieces you can really feel comfortable that your offense is kind of going to turn up in one way or another you're going to get points on the board i like the the, the chris middleton thing you brought up as well greg like for me i think one of the most elite aspects of chris middleton's game is his and i don't know how else to put this but he's an elite spot finder do you know I mean? does that mm-hmm. make sense yeah like he gets to his spots whenever yeah, he's he he's exceptional yeah. and, and he's he not quick like you mentioned he's not a crazy athlete yeah, either but he finds there, a way to get right? there yeah and he creates spots as well like with his movement with the way he kind of utilizes screens like he'll hover just above them and then bang you'll step out straight as the ball's on the way and um i think that's really difficult to defend period because he makes decisions on which side of a screen he's going to jump to in a split second. The ball's already swinging that way anyway, so you've got to get out, get set, and defend. But Grant Williams is one of those guys that reads the game really well. Uh, I just don't know if he has the lateral quickness to be able to close that distance quick enough to contest the shot, or more importantly, make them feel the shot, because that's the important thing with a contest, right? You can put your hand in a guy's face, but if he doesn't feel the pressure... Then you might as well not have had your hand in his face, All you've done is like mess up his vision. And these dudes jump like twenty five thousand feet high. So it's you know, you know what,
2: you know what, with Grant, right? Like one of the things that he's really, really good at doing is that initial read when someone just tries to beat him to one side. Right? It's like a rip through and drive hard to my right. He's really good at just sliding for like two steps, and then he's good at the next like step he has to take changing directions so if you go two dribbles to your right and you come back to your left and you try and step back on him grant's going to be able to contest and that's really kind of all you need for him to do is to guard for those like two seconds like really hard It's like when, when he goes to the third movement, like if Kyrie's going to go that like step back up fake, go back to your right hand, maybe that's when Grant gets beat. But that's why I think he could be really interesting against a guy like Middleton who doesn't really do too much of that. Like so much of what he does is very efficient. Um, Another guy that comes to mind is DeRozan. Like DeRozan to me is Middleton, like, you know, the next level of what Chris, Chris Middleton actually is. Um, So uh Okay, yeah, go 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 ahead and give your your wife a shout out. Really. Yeah, she needs a <laughs> shout out. Man, I got
1: my fanos cup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. I got, I got me a hot chocolate with well, some cocoa with some squirty cream, some marshmallows, some dark chocolate flakes, some white chocolate stars. Yo, this is bomb. Hold so on, hold on. We, we have out. to
0: address something that you just said because I I I want to. Did you say squirty cream? Oh, whipped cream. Oh, okay, yeah. whipped cream. You said yeah. squirty cream, and I was like, I yeah, have to I ask for American about what this vernacular.
1: Is. You know what I mean? So I just say what I hear on TV the most, like some cool whip, but like you um, like you
2: saying squirty cream. I was like, Adam, like this is supposed to be a clean, family-friendly show. Like, like,
1: <laughs> no, I don't know the vernacular sometimes, dude. But I'm just saying, look at the fan. I thought, <laughs> no, look, that's I wanted to give her a though. shout I'll out, I'll man. Just yeah. came up. That's why I turned the camera off for a hot second. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted everyone to know that she's dope.
0: Well, hey, real quick. I, so you guys have both asked kind of questions to go around the horn. I have a question for for you guys, so we can go we can go around the horn here. And Adam, I'll let you sip your cocoa. So I'll let uh, I'll let Greg answer this first here. It's far too hot running. <laughs> yeah, you got to blow you got to blow on that a little bit. What's your favorite play from tonight? Because I feel like you know one of the one of the things that's so great about doing a live reaction like this is that like we talked about we're hyped up it's an awesome game we're riding high but there's so many moments and we haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch the tape so I just want to know like what sticks out to you in the in the moment what sticks out to you as your favorite play or sequence from the game that just happened we'll start with you Greg Uh, I just like Down the
2: stretch, their crunch time offense, which is I think is going to happen a lot in playoff games, especially against a team like the Nets who are going to need to have people that are defensive liabilities on the court. The the one the like one three pick and roll that they were running at the top to get the switch and get Tatum on Seth Curry or get Tatum on uh, Kyrie Irving.
0: <laughs> Adam, yes, I, 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 I couldn't help it i I, was, I, was, I tried to keep it together but it was too good
2: oh my god but yeah i, I just think that adjustment that they were making and tatum's physicality to get the switch like you know talking about chris middleton being a good spot finder sometimes being a good spot finder is like fighting for that initial position and then like getting to your spot and owning your space on the court and the fact that that's what the Celtics went to down the stretch and the Nets ended up double teaming it but then Tatum made the right play out of it and I think especially if we get teams in the bonus early like we were tonight and Tatum can just like be super physical with those shoulders and fight for fight for space at the top of the key and those one three switches or two three switches whatever it is that's what stands out to me is that the Celtics have a playoff ready offense and Tatum is a playoff ready player. And for sure, Landon Lakes, I agree. That bull drive to the rim was the best play.
1: And I think that was my favorite play, right? The one that I spoke about earlier, where he lost the handle a little bit, split the two, pulled it back. I think that was one of the best plays of the game. Um, Probably the best play of the game. I think that there was a lot of Tatum stuff that was some of the best stuff of the game. Um, There was that one, Rob Williams, um, Lob. I think it was the first one where he kind of curled, where Smart kind of curled off. And then Rob kind of like ghosted behind him, and then sped up. down. I thought that was beautiful. Like, there was a lot, man. I'm still processing. I need to yeah. go back and get my second watch in at this point. Well, this but, is
0: like- why I ask because, like that's what I mean, there's there's so many moments jam packed in this game, and like I forgot the moment you just talked about, Adam. I remember they showed the replay, and I love watching Rob. Like you can clearly tell it's like almost like this mm-hmm. option play. Like if they commit to me, then I'm gonna go set a screen, and we're gonna. I forget yeah. who was curling, or if they don't, boom, I slip, and now we have the alley oop, and we're good to go. And so there's so many of those little moments and like I, the moment for me, and I agree with the, uh, with our guy Landon down here and Adam had mentioned it earlier. That's what kind of made me start thinking about this question was like, there's so many good moments in this game. And for me, I really love that last Jalen Brown three with the clock, with the shot clock winding down. And I love it because it's a game where Jason Tatum at that point, I think he may have, may have had 50, not 54 yet. Cause they got some of those last free throws. He's got 50 points you got to be thinking in his mind, probably even a year or two ago, like I'm taking the shot. No one else is taking this shot. I'm going to get to, you know, going one-on-one dribble through the legs, get that little step back side, step back that he loves so much. And that's the shot that I'm going to get. No matter what he gets the ball over to Marcus smart, Marcus smart, another guy that the narrative has been his shot selection. Right. And he, and we, we know sometimes it's for the best. Sometimes it hurts us that he loves. He's about the moment that dude's about the moment. And we've seen it go our way and we've seen it not go our way and yet the composure of that entire sequence to then get one more kick, what, not worrying about that shot clock running out, get it to Jalen, he pump fakes, gets an open shot, gets it off in time, seals the game. To me, that was, it, it was just a little snippet that showed a ton of growth from our three, you know, our three, you know, essentially our big three, the equivalent of our our big three right there, in that one moment showed so much growth and it was the perfect way for me to seal the victory. So, that for me was my favorite play of the
2: game. Yeah, and I like I like how they cut to JB after he hit that three, and he kind of just gave a look like, you know, I I like the understated, um, just like emotional output from Jalen Brown in this game. Like I think that's why a lot of people were just like, you know, what what where's JB tonight? He's he's like disappearing in, in this game. He's not really making an impact, and I didn't really see it that way. I saw Jalen play one of his most like controlled, measured games, and maybe it's because he was like understanding maybe his ankle's not 100% so he's kind of got to like tone it down a little bit and maybe so much of his mental focus was on like making sure that he didn't think about how much his ankle actually hurt him but like he he did seem very locked into the game tonight and very controlled I, I don't know how many shots he took let me take a look at his, his uh, box he score was, really he quick. was 8 of, eight of 17, 17
0: 3 of 6 from 3
2: yeah, and like that that's the perfect amount of shots for Jalen Brown right there. Like he doesn't need to be taking twenty-four shots. He, he not that he ever like really overshoots the ball, but I think that he he stepped up when we needed him to step up. Those five assists, those three steals. He had that big steal on Kevin Durant, who had seven turnovers, by the way, in this game. Um, he had that big steal on KD in the first half that led to a fast break and where he gave it to Pritchard and got it back. And I just think that JB, you know, in a game like this where Tatum you know, the narrative has been like one, one of them has to be the clear alpha dog on the team, right? where Tatum assumes that role. Cause we all know that Tatum is the best player on the squad. And I think everybody on the team knows that JB just needs to be one of the best number two guys in the league. And what he did tonight, when your number one is going crazy, like Jason Tatum was, you just need to be efficient in your role and do all the little things. And I think Jalen Brown did that tonight. I was super happy for him, especially considering where his ankle looked after the, after he rolled it against the Hawks.
1: Yeah. So, Somebody tweeted this at me earlier. I'm going to put it on the screen for anybody watching live or watching on YouTube afterwards. If, you're not, if you don't know where to find this on YouTube, go to Adam Taylor NBA on YouTube or Green With Envy because I'm assuming they might put the video up too if I send them the file. But Celtics Canada tweeted this at me just after the game. This was the perfect Jalen Brown game. Absolutely perfect. Terrific defense. No bad turnovers. Kept the ball moving. Didn't force the offense too much. Lower usage rates today, but much better for the team. So, the question then you've got is if this was the perfect game with the way he played, the way he kind of fit with the offense, fit with the defense, but it came at the expense of his usage rate, so the ball wasn't in his hands as often. Do you try and replicate that even when he's back to full health? Because obviously, this, or especially when you're going to get some of the top teams in the league, right? Do you kind of give Tatum that higher usage rate? Because for me, what I'd try and do to begin the game was see which one of the two guys have the hot hand, and then ask the other one to plug into the role that Jalen Brown played today. Like, I hear Tatum, you've got you've gone two for twelve. It's not your night scoring. So what I want you to do now is take that step back into the Jalen Brown role, and Jalen Brown, I want you to take that step up if you if you're scoring into that Jason Tatum role. And I try I try and make it so that. One of the two guys, and Antoine Walker said this on Sirius XM the other day, um, the the next step for Jalen and Jason is recognizing when one of them's got the hot hand and taking the step back to allow that other guy to flourish, right? And I don't think that this is the perfect Jalen Brown game. I think this is the perfect game of the star that didn't have things going tonight. And I think that if they can do that consistently, we're going to see both of them continue to uplift each other
0: yeah I mean I think you kind of answered your your own question with with, with your answer because it's, it's it's dictated by the flow of the game right because part of what made Jalen Brown's game so great was everything that you know Celtics Canada and Greg talked about was his efficiency and picking his spots but you know if there's a night where it's kind of flipped and Jason Tatum you know he went 2 for 12 against what Indiana a couple games ago like if that night's happening he can't do that he needs to have a higher usage he needs to be the guy that steps up and has 30 points you know that takes 24 25 shots so I, I think to your point adam this is more not necessarily about an individual playing a great game i think this is about the two of them working together knowing like yo this is your moment you're having this game i'm going to be here you know when when you need to get out of a double team when you need somebody to you know take some pressure off you know like i said my favorite play was was ultimately tatum getting the hockey assist to smart and then to jalen brown and being being ready in that moment in your spot so i think it's more about the two of them playing together not necessarily tailoring like hey how do we lower jalen's usage and higher higher Tatum's usage to, to do that, because I think you have to kind of see how the game is going when you have two guys of this elite-type status.
2: I also really, and you know, this is my Greg comment of the of the pod, I also really like Jalen Brown with Corn Rose. I think he he, yeah. he looks like he looks stronger. He looks more sleek, <laughs> like more aerodynamic. I really, <laughs> I really like watching him with Corn Rose. I think he looks cool. He, looks, oh, like, he looks like Kawhi. He looks like DeMar DeRozan, you know, like yeah. built in that mode, and when you see the physical like hair on his head, similar to theirs, you almost see like more of the, the, the body type is very similar to them as well. Specifically more DeRozan than, than Kawhi. Yeah. Yeah. Landon knows. What I'm talking
0: about. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. when a guy changes uniform and you're like, Oh man, was, was he always this fit or like, you know, like all of a sudden he looks
1: skinny or like yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, exactly, it's just yeah. as
0: soon as you have that little change because your brain is so used
1: to consuming whatever's been on your screen in the same manner. So that's mm-hmm. interesting do you ever look at tatum and think man you don't do leg day and then he just explodes for dunks and you're just like maybe you do a different leg day to me
2: I don't know. I mean, dude, go go back and look at Tatum, like his rookie year, and just like the way that this is gonna sound weird, the way that he that he fills out his shorts, like he's got a much like (laughs) he's got a much like bigger. This is the Tommy
0: Heinze school of broadcasting. He's all of St. Louis.
2: I uh, I gotta I gotta look at Baines in the shower. Let me tell you, no, but like like he's much thicker through through his hips and through his butt now. Like he really is. Like maybe his. Like he's just a long, skinny dude, so like he's never gonna look like um, Carson Edwards, you know what I mean? He's never gonna have those like tree trunk thighs. But I think for what his body type is, he—I think he's really filled out on the bottom half as well as through the shoulders. Um, but it, he's just one of those guys that I've said all year. Will's dying laughing right now. He's one of those guys I've said all year is gonna play through his shoulders, just like Giannis at the plays through his shoulders, just like Kawhi plays through his shoulders. These guys that are just built like that. They absorb everything through their shoulders and not necessarily through their core. Um, so I, ju- I just think that's that's what Tatum is. I'm gonna stop talking now.
1: <laughs> so with that, I think we've kind of hit the
0: end of the show. <laughs> I don't know where we were, we're good, good luck. Good luck transitioning from
1: that. But out. this is why I'm just like, yo, let's wrap up because I have no idea how to set the away. <laughs> Actually, I have,
0: I have just one more thing I want to bring uh, up real quick it, before yeah. we go. I'm stealing Greg's role here as the Landon, one thing Landon is my guy. Look at Landon. Yeah, his, his bum, bum is popping. Poppin'. Poppin'. Let's go. That was a great comment from, about. uh, from Landon here on the live stream. But <laughs> the last thing I want to, I want to bring up, I love this personally. Uh, I, I really loved when Glenn, big baby Davis was on the Celtics. Did you guys catch my guy getting caught on national TV trying to sneak up a row? That was amazing. Unbelievable. Every single person that's listening to this whether it's in the podcast or you've been in the live stream and all three of us here certainly, we've all done the trick where you're keeping an eye out when you go to a game. Hey oh, man, looks like looks like nobody's been using those seats. All right, cool. Let's uh let's give it a little bit and you're timing it out. You're waiting, you're waiting to see the right moment and you go sit in those seats and you're like all right you start start feeling yourself you're like look at this we just up we just upgraded our seats on our own accord just by being aware of our surroundings then you get that little tap on your shoulder oh oh excuse me oh these are your seats these are your seat oh you mean you bit oh my bad my bad my bad (laughs) glenn davis got caught with that That amazing on a hot mic and national tv unbelievable moment right there had to point that
1: I mean, shouldn't the Celtics at least be giving him a a seat anyway? Like, close (laughs) to the floor. (laughs) But that's the. I'm going to go back and watch that. That deserves a tweet. If I can find that as just a clip, or if anyone can clip that for me, send it over to me on Twitter or Instagram. I will send and we'll get that up. And we'll start. Yeah, we'll get that out there because that needs to be thrown out there, man. Right. If you've enjoyed this show, if you've enjoyed it live, then make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube. If you're listening the day after, which is completely fine, you know, sometimes the game, the adrenaline, maybe you had an adrenaline dump. Maybe you had other stuff to do. I don't know. But if you're listening on the podcast, then thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us. Make sure you go down on your app and you will see a five-star option if you're using Apple or Spotify. Hit that five-star button. Then there's a little comment section. Tell us something nice about ourselves. I haven't seen a new comment dropping in a while. It makes me sad. It makes me feel like you're taking us for granted. Uh, just aside, I really do like you guys, every guys and girls listening in. So don't feel pressured to put a comment in there. Um, And then if you're not using a podcast device that allows uh, ratings and reviews, then that's completely fine. Will and Greg are going to argue over who's going to tell you the best way to do things. Greg, you're the typical Sunday guest or Monday guest.
0: This is, uh, this is your opportunity. Well,
2: first of all, you can find Will and I on our own pod um, called the 617 Podcast. We are the Green with Envy episodes on the 617 Podcast brought to you by Crowworthy. We're the guys that um the brainchild behind the Lob Williams hoodie that you can get on Crowworthy.com. Go to the store, order one or two sizes up, get that Lob Williams hoodie. You'll see Lob rocking that to the games. Um, he's, he, we sent him one. He wears it to the games. It's really cool. Go out and get one. But for this podcast, Celtics Pod on uh, SB nation, make sure that you're telling everybody about this podcast. The next time you end up going to a Boston Celtics game and you're sitting around, you're looking around, maybe you're in a seat that you don't belong in. And then when someone taps you on the shoulder, just be like, Hey, listen, do, do you, are you a fan of uh, Celtics pod with Adam Taylor? Will Weir, and Greg Manakis. If you are like, let me sit here, man. Like I, I listen there. I'm a diehard. So, you know, if, if you find yourself in that situation, make sure that you tell people all about Celtics pod, on SB Nation, and also tell them about the 617 podcast and Green with Emmy.
1: Also tell them, hey, man, the big baby Davis can do it. I can definitely do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right, everybody, thanks for tuning in live. Thanks for listening uh, whenever you tune into this podcast. We super appreciate it. It The show's growing massively at the moment, so thank you, everyone. You're definitely doing that word of mouth stuff. Super appreciated, and we'll catch you again later in the week. Make sure if you uh if you like this as well, make sure to go check out Will and Greg's other show because they'd be doing their thing over there too. everybody have a good one. stay safe. drive safely. thank you and good night peace
2: you hate your you my patience. never did it for check. I've been impressed with the.